Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Attacking 2 podcast. I'm your host Andy Martin and hosting with me is Jimmy Funnel. We will be talking about the match day 6 of the Premier League where Chelsea and Man United lost points. Burnley clinched their first win of this Premier League season and the points keep coming in thick and fast for Liverpool and Manchester City. Later we will be joined by Calvin, a blogger from the Royal Blue Mercy blog about Everton. With that being said, there's only one question to be asked. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Okay, and now we will be jumping right into the game of Chelsea against West Ham United where Chelsea only came away with a point at London Stadium in East London. Jimmy, what do you, did you make of the game on the weekend? Well, it was shite, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> pr- pr- pretty, pretty obvious statement. But um, no, no, in all honesty, just to start off with this, there, it's been absolutely ridiculous what the reactions have been on the social media, specifically on Twitter. We win five games in a row more than anyone would have expected against us. We draw the first game, and it's all doom and gloom. Cantor's supposed to be dropped. Jorginho's shit. Uh, William, well, he, personally, I had a problem with his performance, but he wasn't too bad. Um, Hazard was too inconsistent. People slagging off Morata. I mean, I thought he did quite well, comparatively. He didn't have much choice. Uh, but, you know, it's... It, it was a very dull game, and it's, it, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it, it was a weird one. I've got to say, it was a very, very weird game. You think we should have won it, but then again, West Ham had the better chances, especially in the first half. I, 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 it, it, was, it was actually really terrible to watch. I, I, I can't, can't I, I don't have any other words for it. What are you saying? I mean, we, we watched it together. You, I, I could hear you as well cursing. So. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, it, it reminded me on your words last week. You, you've called it. You, you said, I don't want to be that guy, but I think we will come away with a draw. And in all fairness, when you go away to West Ham, it has always been a tough game for us. Um, personally, saying that a day after it, uh, I kind of have to say that it isn't that bad. Like, you you can't really reckon with uh, three points away at West Ham. So, even though what is worrying is not uh, that we came away with one point, but more uh, the performance we put in, we kind of have to say, all right, um, Especially after after a game that was that dull, we 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 have to accept it and and move on to hopefully better things. I think what kept us what kept us so slow and so lethargic was the fact that most of the players that were in the starting lineup have played under the week in the in the Europa League against Pauk uh, Saloniki, um, and this might be a little wake up call for Maurizio Sarri. Uh, to tell him, all right, this is how it is in on a regular basis when you play international football and, we, and when you play cup football uh, in the Premier League. 
there is no easy games, especially when you go away to West Ham. So you have to play more of a, of a rotated squad. You can't keep uh, your main players inside the team every week. Just when to, you, yeah. Sorry, 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 Andy, but just to add in a question to what you just said, so otherwise I'll forget it. So excuse me, uh, interrupting you, but. With the rotation, wasn't it obvious from the start that that would happen? That he will not rotate at West Ham, or no, generally that he's a guy who doesn't rotate a lot. Well, it was obvious, but I thought, all right, we won't get a hundred percent of the Italian Napoli Sari. We will get a slightly adapted version of him because no one can be that let's say, arrogant and come into the Premier League and think, I do it 100% my way. Um, even Pep Guardiola has seen it in his first season that he can't go the Guardiola way and adapted like one or two things about his game. And now he he's earning his success. And maybe this is one of the two lessons Sari has to learn that he can't go every every three days with the same with the same starting eleven. You know, I, I was a very strong advocate of him coming here, and I, I thought he would rotate more because we have that talent pool to uh, use. I mean, if you've got Callum Hudson Odoi, I'm not quite sure why he then puts Moses on the bench. Mm. That's the first yeah. of all. Um, generally. We're still gelling, so it's fine. I mean, as you already said, it's not the worst. I agree. It's not the worst result. We we, we could have lost here. I mean, if you think of Yarmolenka, that chance. How he didn't bury that, I am absolutely bloody clueless. Although, you know, thankful, grateful nonetheless. But mm. it, it, what pissed me off the most in that game uh, was specifically our sloppiness in possession. How often we misplaced those passes was the worst I've seen since the Man City game. And Jorginho, who's been fantastic for us up until now, bar that City game, he showed for the first time, I think, that he can have a bad game, that he has his limitations. Sounds stupid now because he's a very complete play in many departments but if if his passing doesn't work and that's already been a, a problem with Cesc Fabregas then it's hard to see what he offers because defensively he's stronger than Fabregas but he's not the strongest he's in position where in a position where Kante is at his best and that, I think that's a, something that we should thematize next namely Kante there have been calls for dropping him even for selling him after a draw to West Ham. Well, we, we have really to take a hard look at ourselves as fans and and don't go down the route of, of the Arsenal fan TV uh, uh, drama drama queens. I mean, uh, really, on, honestly, like it was a bad performance. We had many of those down the years. Like, no, don't lose. We don't have to lose our heads. But two things you've you've raised in your statement before. Um, Callum Hudson Odoi, like why on earth? And that that really pissed me off last week. Why on earth is he on a plane to Greece and not on the team sheet? Exactly the same with with Ampadu. Like at least keep him on the bench 
for, for for God's sake. I mean, we, we're playing group stage of the Europa League where we're supposed to absolutely destroy every team in that group. And then you, you're not even keeping your youngsters on the bench. Like, that That really pissed me off. Um, even though I'm not supposed to think that, that Sarri is, 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 is a manager of great rotation. But still, that, that really pissed me off. Um, no, I, I, I agree, absolutely. Um, especially when Pedro's out. Thankfully, it does seem as if he's already in training again. So that's a relief. Um, but the thing is, um, we were very slow in possession. When we, when, when we didn't lose the ball, um, we, the, the passing was very, very slow. It was barely any movement, especially up front. William, although I cursed him a lot, if you may remember, um, mm. he was the only one that actually created chances. And the thing is that people have been calling for Kante, and this would also then come into play with the bench. Um, Kante's being misused on that right side. Now, I, for anyone who's calling for us to sell him, hang your heads in shame. This is the best midfielder in the world, arguably. Alan at Napoli, he did not acclimatise to Sarri's system immediately. Yes, he is all round a better, well, not better player than Kante. No, he is not. But he his attacking game is superior to Kante. Well, that's without question. But Kante needs time to get used to his new role. Just because he's Kante and he's phenomenal doesn't mean that five or six games in, he can immediately play that role to perfection. Anyone who says he should be is lying, was never played football. Well, and that brings me brings me to another point. If you lose and if you and we didn't even lose, we, we played a draw and if you if you have a bad game, it's not always down to yourself. It's also your position you have to face. Now uh, don't get it twisted. West Ham is not a superior side to Chelsea by no means. But what they've done, and hats off to Pellegrini, they had the tactics spot on. I mean, their main man, Marco Nordovic, who scored 80% of their goals this season, was out. And still, they were the better team on the day. And that was largely down to, again, hats off, to the 19-year-old Declan Rice in the centre of the midfield. Like, I watched the game back. And what I've seen is, they have a bank of four standing at the, at the, at the back and then they have a bank of five more or less uh, sitting in front of it. And in between the lines, normally, where you see Eden Hazard receiving the ball then redistributed with, your, with one or two touches and getting into dangerous position, exactly there, they have placed Declan Rice and he was not even allowing Eden Hazard a, a second touch. It was like he was on his case the whole game and he was winning a lot of of uh, the duels with uh, Eden Hazard. And then also he played forward passes, um, progressed the game forward and um, from deep created most of the chances West Ham was having against Chelsea. So Declan Rice was really their game winner and in my opinion, man of the match. So you can't underestimate uh, West Ham as well. No, definitely. Um, you know... Think what well, a stat with that. 
would be that if you remember, there was no real pressing chances that we had. I mean, there was the Barkley uh, shot more or less at the end. There was Morata's nearly goal, and people have been slating him for that, but that's ridiculous. I mean, he... Their goalkeeper came out pretty fast, Fabianski, and he lobbed it. I mean, it happens. Fabianski didn't even know of it. Out of that range, no time to react. What else should Matarata have done? Giroud had a very bad game, and if you think about it, we had 17 shots, possession of 78, 72%, and they had six. But is there any chance, except from the Morata one, we say, hey, we really, really press them. No. Now, no. West Ham, that Antonio chance where he was free on goal, more or less, was a bit, had a bit of an angle. If he would have put that onto the far post, oof, we would have had a problem. Then the where he shot Kepa, and kudos to Kepa, very good save. Um, and then, of course, the Yamalenko chance. <laughs> we look vulnerable, very, very vulnerable. I cannot understand why we are still making the same mistakes although it, I know it's only six games in but it's just they target out left side again no undoubtedly Kovacic didn't have his best game he didn't uh, cover for Alonso and Luis as well as he did Rudiger was saving us quite a few times and then he went off and yeah that to be fair, Cahill didn't put a foot wrong. Mm. I mean, right? I, I can't remember, but uh, I can't remember if he did. But I, I, I wouldn't. No, I can't remember any any anything he did wrong. So the thing is, we're going into a week where we play against Liverpool twice. Rudiger seems to be injured. I'd be very surprised if he plays on Wednesday. When how are we going to get these defensive woes cut out of our game when we have to play every few days? And that tiredness from the power game, as you addressed uh, before, one can see that this team wasn't able to compensate. Stamina-wise, physically, uh, mm. for that. While you have other players like... Well, I mean, Arsenal played on, on Thursday and they won against Everton, which we will be talking about later. But I think what's really key there is also that our strikers are just not functioning properly at the moment. For example, Arsenal, they their strikers, they just they scored when they could. Giroud had three chances, three pressing ones. He didn't score. He had a real crap, crap game. Yeah, and I think the misery was largely down to... Our players not taking risks, not taking on players. Oh, like, God, yeah. the, the only one who does it is, is Hazard, and he had a bad game. And it seems like if he is off the boil, uh, Chelsea can't do anything at the moment. That is really worrying. And maybe it is only because it is early days and the players haven't really adapted as good to the system as we thought they have. Or it is down to, to tiredness. But I also have a, a third possibility here. I think it can be down to the narrative of keeping possession at all price, the, um, that the players become a bit backwards and and think, all right, I, I can't take a risk here and I can't I can't expose myself. 
So uh, I, I rather play a backwards pass, and then it all gets it all gets lethargic, and we see a game like we did um, against West Ham this week. Because let's be fair, with all with all the success we've had this season so far, also Newcastle was kind of like was was kind of like the same game for for seventy five minutes. So there was there wasn't really as if we haven't seen it this season. Like most of the fans act like as we haven't seen it this season. We have, we have, but we did we did change it at the end against uh, Newcastle. We didn't obviously this week because of maybe of stamina issues. So it's only it's only fair that we come away with a point here, but. I think uh, the listeners won't be won't be happy to listen to us another ten minutes going on about our misery with a with a nil nil away to to West Ham. So we better switch it up to another. Can you address that with Calvin then again? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's speak about Manchester United um, because they are also in a misery. Three wins prior to the game, and now. Uh, the whole Manchester United story of the last two seasons. Um, as soon as they seem to get a run, they have a bogey game. And lovely. <laughs> Wolverhampton, <laughs> yeah, lovely. And Wolverhampton seems to be um, a team that can turn on against uh, the big boys. Second Manchester team they play a 1-1 against. Jimmy, what do you make of it? Well, the thing is with Wolves, they had a great summer. Uh, they had some great purchases uh, on the transfer market, and you could see that also in their game against United. I mean, Moutinho, with a peach of a goal, one must say, was really, really well taken. Neves and him in, in midfield, that Portuguese connection is working wonders. Also with uh, their wingers, with Costa and Jota, I mean, it's it's working for them. It's just fantastic how they're displaying themselves. And this is a, a team which has just been promoted. I mean, the thing is with, with United, Sanchez was abysmal. He really was. Um, once again. Once again, exactly. Lingard was pathetic as well, I must say. Uh, Pogba was pretty decent. Um, the defence... Didn't look too good at the at the goal. Lukaku missed Sitter uh, uh, with his head, which he has come accustomed to do, be doing ever so often. Um, yeah, uh, they they had more possession, far more possession, which was you know not very surprising. Um, but Wolves just played it fantastically away from home. They already showed that against the reigning champions, and while we're Glad that this is happening against, you know, the two Manx clubs, uh, the two Manx clubs. I'm actually scared of playing them <laughs> as Chelsea. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Wolves are, Wolves are a real force and uh, I hate to break it to you, but I, I think we will struggle against them because they have width in their side and that is always something um, you're having problems with when you play a back four, especially with wingers that further advanced as uh, Hazard is playing and then Pedro is playing in our cases. But uh, let's keep it with that game. I think uh, Wolves were a better team. And also, if um, their striker, Jimenez, 
if he wasn't so wasteful of his chances, they could have come away with a, with a win here away at Old Trafford. Um, what I like with Wolves is um, how they play with no fear against the big boys. And yeah. I mean, they yeah. play a midfield with Fred, who cost 50 million plus. Fellaini, all right, fair enough. And Paul Pogba, who's arguably the best player in the world, as they all claim, uh, clowns. Um, but anyway, <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> they, they played, they played two players against three in the center of the park, in, in Nevers and Moutinho, and still boss the absolute game out of Manchester United. There's no, there, there's, there's, there was no way they were, they were breaking through the middle if something happened. It was um, over Luke Shaw who hadn't haven't had uh, a bad game because he's uh, for me he's for me the best player so far in in red this season. But going okay, further than that, Manchester United. The Gea, though. Yeah, yeah, the Gea. All right, um, we came accustomed to the Gea being being a decent keeper, and he's also Manchester United's only name in the in the FIFA eleven of the year. And Chelsea, by the way, has two names in the team. The only team that has more than Chelsea is Real Madrid. So, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to come quickly back to that midfield, uh, one has to really mention here that Costa and Yotta, the work they and you know the the shifts they put in to track back and help out in that midfield, that was quite quite inspirational. They really did a great job. Just had to, to mention that. Uh, especially also because Wolves' defence doesn't have any big names. You know, I mean, the, Bolly isn't too bad. Can't remember where he's come from. I think it was from Portugal. Otherwise, you know, that Wolves team, or specifically Nuno Santo, he's really working with very little, although they did spend a lot, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they're, they're doing a great job, must, must say, yeah. But... Let's continue with one other big game which we should be talking about because next week, and that's Liverpool against Southampton. Yeah, pretty much that was um, a champion's performance. I hate to say it, but like uh, <sighs> Liverpool, they were, they, they were rotating a fair bit. I mean, uh, Matip came, coming into the side instead of, of Gomez and then also Shakiri starting his first game for Liverpool in the league. And they were absolutely bossing it. Like after the first twenty minutes, the game was already done, more or less. I mean, there was an un- unlucky, unlucky uh, own goal from Wesley Hood, and then there was a strong header from Joel Matip, and basically uh, the game was done. But um, all right, it was only Southampton, and Southampton is struggling uh, since last season and this season for sure as well. But still, it is it is the club where Liverpool buys half of their players, so they must be decent in some way. And I'm fearing Liverpool after this because yeah. they seem like they seem like a real force. And I I can even I can even say if we lose uh, under week in the League Cup, uh, I'm happy to do so. But we shouldn't really drop points in the league against them because that makes us that makes it five points we have then difference uh, to Liverpool, and then. Yeah, basically, it is it is hard to to come back from that because Liverpool is such a force. Uh, I really rate them as contenders this year. Rate? Well, yeah, On objectively speaking, 
definitely. Uh, I, I'd agree. I mean, it's hard to say, oh, well, Liverpool's doing so well. It, it aches me to say it, but they are, they are pretty, pretty good this, this season. And the thing is, I'm not sure if they won't bottle it, though, if they say, OK, we're concentrating on the Champions League. But I don't think they will. I honestly believe that Liverpool and Klopp will be sacrificing the Champions League this year if they really have, let's say in February or March, a genuine shot at the title. Because they want, don't get me wrong, you know, everyone wants to win the Champions League. And if you tell me now, win the Champions League or the league, I'd, I'd choose the Champions League. But we only won the league a bit ago. But Liverpool, they've been waiting a long time. So... I spoke with a few of their fans and they, they'd rather have that league title. So this year really could be their year. They've got depth. Um, Salah's gradually getting into form again. The defensive woes have stopped. It's, it, it'll be a tough game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as easy as many have made it out to be when we play them, though. That, to be fair, that weren't a lot. But yeah. Uh, they they completely dominate Southampton. I mean, Mark Hughes and Sutton, they they have a, a big problem. I, I actually see them going down this season if uh, the other teams don't pick up pace. Then then I I could see them actually being contender to go down. I mean, Huddersfield and Cardiff are the other two, which are pretty much certain. Yeah. But Southampton, despite being two, uh, three points above the relegation zone, oof, I think it's going to be a struggle for them. Yeah, it will be, but there's, I always say, there's there's a lot of teams being shit in the Premier League. We have to say, like, there's there's a certain standard, but still, um, if you look at at Newcastle, haven't picked up the win so far, you could also say, well, they might be a little bit shittier than, than Southampton, and Crystal Palace, if... Salah, if um, if Sahak is getting is getting hurt there and this may be out for a week or two, they are in trouble as well. So uh, I'm not quite sure, but I think they have to do something. Maybe uh, a change in personnel or a change a change in managers, and then um, they can they can maybe um, look at look at mid a mid table finish. But as of yet, they have some worries on their hands. Yeah. Which has, which also Burnley had previous to that game because they were last, um, they were last in the Premier League with only one point, but now they've won 4 0 against Bournemouth and that wasn't, was against expecting, uh, against all expectations. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we, we also had the Leicester who finally won more convincingly. We had a, I mean, the, it was an interesting match. Day most certainly Tottenham, Tottenham against Brighton. I mean, Brighton is more, you know, I sympathise with them because family lives there. So it was very tough to see them lose, especially as Tottenham weren't that good, if you ask me. And you know, they they got two points more than we did. Uh, they dominated possession. That was more like the old Spurs. It was, but still. I'm not convinced by the team. Harry Kane still looks a shadow of himself. Obviously, he's called from the from the spots. Um, Lamella making it two, and then uh, yeah, it was it was hard to come back from that. And uh, obviously, Brighton didn't. 
but still, I'm, I'm not convinced by the team. But it, it is kind of the fashion also of, of let's say, even maybe champions is the wrong, the wrong word for, for Tottenham because they win fuck all. But um, they haven't had pressure. decent performance on. this season and still picked up 12 points, which yeah. isn't actually that bad because as Chelsea fans, we claim we play decent football, but we only have four points more than them. So when mm. they start eventually to have a decent form, they can easily um, be in and among the mix again. Oh, yeah, definitely. And shout out to Rose. Uh, Danny Rose has been a revelation again this week. He's come back to form in this season. And if he really doesn't sort out that contract at Spurs, I generally like to see him come to us. You know, tough deal to have. Daniel Levy is a complete jammy bastard. But... He'd be fantastic. I mean, I know Alonso's been prolific and a great, great source of goals this, this, this season, but defensively, he's iffy. Mm. And there's a reason. Anyone, you know, people can tell me whatever they want, but there's a reason why teams consistently target our left side, and it's not only because of Lewis. So Danny Rose would be a pretty good uh, acquisition in the future. But yeah. I have to wait and see. And another big boy that has picked up points this weekend in convincing fashion is Manchester City as they beat Cardiff City with 5-0. Something we have expected um, listening to the episode of last week, that Manchester City will comfortably win away. How did you see it? was obvious. I mean, don't want to sound obnoxious, but City winning... Uh, against Cardiff was to be expected. Maybe not uh, as high as 5-0, but that just goes to show how poor this Cardiff side are. They are still, I think, for both of us, prime candidates to go down again directly into the championship. Manchester City, well, they they were dominant. They were rampant. I mean, (laughs) Aguero showed once again his class and... There were quite a few goals then. I think it were two for Maris who came in as a super sub. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, they're still my prime candidates for, for the champion, uh, for the Champions League, for the, for the title. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you think of, especially of Aguero's performance? Well, Aguero, um, scoring once again. Uh, he's, he's maybe again the front runner to uh, clinch the Golden Boot this year. Which is obviously, well, what he is about. He's about scoring goals, but Cardiff City made it easy, let's be fair. Uh, Two shots to 21 in that game. You can't, you can't really fault him for not having too much, um, offensive action against Manchester City, but if you allow 21 21 shots, and I think more than 10 of them on, on target, uh, you are into big trouble. So, that's not um, a Premier League uh, class performance of Cardiff City, and they will they will go down and not even not even go down with any kind of kind of respect I can give them. It's it's just it's just poor. It is. Yeah. Let, let, let's not talk about them anymore because they they are not worth our words. Killing um, our groove. Oh, <laughs> hope no Cardiff City fans are listening. Eh? <laughs> Um, another team that is piss poor this season is Huddersfield Town. And even though they went up 1-0 away 
at Leicester, they lost 3-1. And it, it's exactly what we again told the other week uh, Leicester to do. Because what we've said is, if you play Vardy uh, all alone as a as a lone striker, he's having a, a hard time being. But if you stick another striker next to him, he's having a good time. And it proved... Um, he provided uh, the, the assist for the 1-1 with Iannaccio scoring. And then Madison, who had a brilliant game, scored with a free kick. And Vardy then scored on his own for the 3-1 um, scoreline. Iannaccio returned the favour, actually. There. He assisted for Vardy on that second and on that third goal. So that partnership sounds uh, pretty decent, I must say. Yeah, and he's also a striker who who likes to to find the back of the net. He's not really uh, the the striker we are used to see play next to Vardy, who's kind of like Okazaki was kind of a crafty guy. He's more of a poacher, but he seems to work for them. Yeah, no, definitely. And to be fair, uh, I criticised Madison in our first episode, and I still stay by my my point of view in that respect. But uh, he came up with the goods. That was a fantastic free kick that he scored. And, you know, maybe this is the start of a, a neat little run of form for Leicester City. I, I, I can see him uh, being called up for the England side the next time there is can an you? international break. Really? I can. I can. He, he, he seems quality. Gary Sapkit likes to pick players from, from the lower league sides when they, when they are playing. And... He seems a class act, to be fair. So uh, I, I can see him. He, he likes to now progress and, and make the team a younger one than it was uh, before the big tournament in summer. So I, I see a big chance for him being called up. Obviously, he has a big number of games to his name in the under-21, so why not? Well, one player who might have a word to say there is actually Ryan Sessegon or Sessegon Sessegon yeah 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 that that Being, guy well they, they've played a big part again now Sessegon moving back to, to left back to allow Schuller coming into play a bit more and it seems like um, a decent partnership they have uh, the Vieto and Mitrovic I'm, I'm talking about even though they had a weak first half to the game um, the way Vieto provided uh, Mitrovic for the equaliser was was in great fashion. I I like the way they play and also how Mitrovic carries himself. He's a hard-working striker and he yeah seems to come up with the goods this season. His fifth goal already. Yeah, there actually have been rumours uh, from the tabloids that Mitrovic might be in contention for a move down the road. Uh I, I, I honestly can't see Mitrovic being the solution to our goal-scoring problems, but, you know, he's he's continuously uh, finding the back of the net at the moment, but I think people sh- shouldn't be forgetting how poor he was at Newcastle. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see whether or not he will continue this. I mean, Morata played well in the first few months of the Premier League last season, and look what happened there. So if he continues to do this, maybe we should look at him next summer. But I wouldn't buy him in the tran- in the transfer window in in January. It would also be a really stupid move for him. Would come too early. But I rate yeah. him as a player, and I think that Newcastle argument 
kind of I kind of have to disagree with you there because he was a striker who was absolutely not fitting their system um, because he's not pacey and what Newcastle did was defending the whole game and then hoofing it upfield and hoping that Mitrovic does something. But he's a striker who needs to be provided with goal chances and then he scores. Uh, he's actually really clinical and he's he's a nightmare to play against because he's so uh, he's so good in the air. I think he won he won over fifty percent of his aerial duels, which is rare for a striker in the Premier League against big Premier League centre backs. Um, I think he's the next the next best thing to to Diego Costa. So it's oh, not really hmm. a sorry striker, but you have to watch. Um, the way he's playing and and the attitude he he has, so he's he's like his uh, uh, Diego Costa mini me. So but Diego Costa could do a lot of things, and Mitrovic way it seems is he's this poacher. He's in the in the middle of the well Parkwa up front, and that's it. So the thing is, we've already got that in Giroud. If we won, if it's really the truth that we get rid of Morata. Getting Mitrovic in wouldn't complement our squads. I mean, we've got Giroud, then you'd have to actually get someone of a different mould. And, you know, if, if Giroud does leave soon, next, say, let's some, uh, next summer, fine. Then Mitrovic would make sense, because I still think we need three strikers in this team, not bloody two. I don't know why the board doesn't comprehend that. But we're left short of options again, because we let Bashwai go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Mitrovic could be a good choice. I, I'm not sure I rate him as highly as, as you do, but, you know, prove me wrong, mate. Uh, not you, I mean Mitrovic. So, <laughs> fine, you know, if if he does do well and then he comes to Chelsea, um, then I'll support him, no doubt. But, yeah, I think we need something different there. Yeah, um, I think the last game that we will be able to look at Today will be actually the Palace against Newcastle United. Game. Not not much to say there. I mean, not really. No. Zero, zero, zero. It's more or less what what two uh, what the two teams can do at the moment. If Wilfred Zaha doesn't come up with a flash of brilliance, uh, Palace can only keep clean sheets, and that's more or less also the Benitez um, bread and butter, keeping clean sheets, and that way somehow. Um, Secure, secure the league. Um, not really much more to say there because it was also a shortage of chances. Not much going on there, and both teams might have a problem on their hands because, let's say, Sahar gets gets injured. What what will they do? They they are they're looking absolutely clueless. They've been Hodgsonized. Ha. <laughs> Well, he, he did well for them last season. Well, it has to be fair there. You know, he, he got them out of the gutter. He really did. And he, they're not that bad off. I mean, they're, they're in the middle of the table. Seven points is decent from, I mean, six games is not a lot. But for Palace's format, it's not bad. I, I agree with you. If they lose Saha, they, they've got a problem. That's undoubtedly the case. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, Max Meyer got a few minutes. Be interesting to see how he turns out there. Uh, you know, German connection there. 
But uh, interesting would also be to see how Kennedy did. Um, I, I, I unfortunately didn't uh, catch the game. Were you able to, fire, you know, hear anything about that? About Kennedy's performance, well, that there wasn't really much going on there. I was watching the extended highlights, let's say. But mm. uh, re- regarding Ma- Max Meyer, um, I, I think he will be gone by the end of the season. He really doesn't look like he he's anywhere near the level that Palace thought he will be. Um, also. I think the only start he has earned this season was in in the second uh, in the in the second round of the Carabao Cup so far. He mm. isn't starting a game for them. And <laughs> looking at his paycheck, I think he's uh, somewhere amongst the top twenty paid players in the in the Premier League. He doesn't justify really? that at all. Yeah, he is because he wow. came on a he came on a free, so that was the basis of him uh, really mm. cashing in on on his on his contract. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's he that go? kind of player. He's he, he's a rotten character, and I even say that as uh, when I watch German football, I'm supporting Schalke, and I I say that even with him being a youth product of Schalke, you can see him. He's absolutely rotten. Like the the things uh, his his uh, personal manager, his his agent has said, absolutely. You, you can't describe it with words. How how. Cupid they were in in dealing with his with his um, transfer issues. They let him run down the contract at Schalke, and then they looked for a move. And he said basically, um, he's a world class player, and he's walking into every starting eleven of a top European side. Um, so he has Schalke more or less had to to give him a hundred thousand plus mm. uh, a week because that is what he's worth. And then they they were searching for three months and couldn't find a club, and only Palace was stupid enough to to uh, pay to his demands. Um, I think he will he will go down maybe the Balotelli route of going to France, going to Italy, yeah, so the nice French Riviera, a, a, a bit of that. I, I don't rate mm. him as a player. If they if they can afford him, if he's got that high wa- those kind of high wages, no club will be able to afford him, especially in the Bundesliga. You can't go back there, so it would be mm. interesting to see. That concludes our Premier League review. And if you want to listen to Calvin joining us from Royal Blue Mercy, talking about Everton and Chelsea with some seriously witty banter, you just have to check out the next episode, the next upload here on our channel. Stay tuned and listen to it. Bye-bye.